Hello, my friends, and welcome to the August 10th, 2022 Empower Hour. We have a great show planned for you today, and we are so happy you can join us. Our guest speaker today is Alex Newman, and he's going to talk about the crisis resulting from the globalist agenda that is targeting our children and using them as agents of change. Tonight's show, as well as previous episodes of the Empower Hour, will be available to rewatch. Just go to the Action for Canada website and be sure to share the link with your family and friends so they can watch it too. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of our nation. Through Call to Action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family and freedom. I'm always so honored to introduce you to Tanya Gaw, the founder and leader of Action for Canada. For the past seven years, and before many of us were even aware of our government's corruption, Tanya has been actively standing up and fighting for our rights and freedoms. One of her special areas of concern is the attack against vulnerable and innocent children, and she is committed to protecting them in any and every way she can. It has become increasingly apparent that our young people are being brainwashed at every level of the public education system, and Tanya has provided Canadians with effective resources and campaigns to counter this attack. Tanya is a woman of faith, and with God's help, she has become a courageous and passionate leader. This is a spiritual battle we're in, and the enemy of our souls is not happy about the work Action for Canada is doing. So please, remember to keep Tanya and Action for Canada in your prayers. And now, will you please help me welcome the lovely Tanya Gaw. Hello, Tanya. Hi, Heather, and welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on another Wednesday Night Empower Hour. Uh, Heather, you've laid it out there really well tonight of how critical this issue is, talking about our children. And my heart's a little bit sad, uh, you know, because when I every time that we have um, had an Empower Hour that was addressing the trans agenda, the Marxist agenda, communist agenda in our schools, um, I hate to say it, but we've we've actually had a, a lower attendance. And to me, uh, what could be more important than our kids? And if people really understood that the objective of these tyrannical rulers is to overtake Canada through our children, through the education system by putting, uh, replacing traditional uh, education with Marxist ideologies. And because you get, you take over the minds of the children and you control the future. So if you know, we're going to post the uh, registration, the link for people to join us. Can you go and each one of you decide who should be on this show? Who's a parent? Um, I know it's a nice summer day and uh, it's great to be out there enjoying. All of our team would love to be doing that too. But our priority is to be here tonight in defense of our children and try to compel people to help them to understand how critical this issue is. So Heather, with that, I'm going to go and uh, delve into the website a little bit, give some updates, and I will see you shortly.
When I was just saying that, you know, we get, uh, you know, a lot of people show up regarding travel. Everybody's concerned about traveling and how will I get back across the border? I am going to touch on that a little bit. But like I say, what's more important, traveling or protecting our children? And we're not trying to make or shame anybody or make anybody feel guilty. You guys are all superheroes because you're here tonight. You were here last week and we welcome anybody that's new. All right, I'm just going to share my screen. As you know, I'm going to start with this map of Canada and all those little maple leaves uh, represent action for Canada nationwide. We're going to continue. Our goal is to be into, into every community and every riding across Canada so that we can take back government um, at all levels and also build communities of support. Uh, we know there's a lot of lonely, desperate, hurting people right now. A lot of people have lost relationship with their family members because of uh, the draconian measures, the unnecessary draconian measures that the Canadian government has implemented in response to a fake pandemic. And um, because of that, people need support. They not only need emotional support, but they also need help in how to address the injustices in their life. So if you're not already, would you please join Action for Canada uh, chapters and I'm just going to go back a page, a little map. I love, I, I always go like this. I want us to see a big picture of that. I'm so excited about that, and we're going to keep growing. You're a part of that. Uh, a lot of people want to volunteer. Volunteer with you in your own community. You want to donate, donate to a chapter in your community because they're doing a lot of hard work uh, for Canadians as well. They're, they're wearing them out, themselves out for you. So that's the uh, page you would go under Join. A for C chapters, and on this page you could find out if there's a chapter in your community. Continue to keep checking in because we've got about 300 people to vet who want to become future uh, chapter leaders in new um, areas, and so we'll be posting those as, as they come up. Also, we ask for your patience because, as you know, we're growing really fast and trying to make sure that we have teams who can answer the emails, etc., once a chapter is set up as well. So we appreciate your grace and your patience. Okay, um, many of you since last week have been traveling and uh, putting the notice of liability to work and all the resources uh, that we provided you last week. And we're no expert on this. We're going by the rule of law and the um, Constitution and the Charter of Rights. What they say goes. And even inside the passport, it says you have the right to enter Canada and leave Canada freely and without interruption. And uh, some of you are sending in very good reports. I see that Michael in the chat has sent in a wonderful report. He got back into Canada with it within minutes and there was absolutely no problems for him. I had a, a, a friend contact me this morning. She texted me, said she put it to work and she was threatened with three years in prison and a million dollar fine. That was super duper, uh, you know, global uh, uh, bullying, if you ask me, like three years in jail for not filling out an illegal arrive can and uh, interfering with people's private uh, medical information. Give me it. That's such a joke. You know, like I say, they're bullying. They're going to try to up it because you can bet that the uh, government was fully privy to the Empower Hour that we provided last night. So we're going to put this on the uh, page where we provided the notice of liability. Uh, I would even just print out this report and some of the details, just read through it, right? They know that there are privacy issues here and constitutional challenges. So dig your heels in, stick to your guns. If you got fined, if you're being bullied by the government or harassed, make sure you're serving 
that uh, uh, customs officer a notice of liability. And you know what, as we move forward, we'll have to figure out what steps to take next against these uh, individuals who are acting unlawfully. All right, on tonight's topic, Pierre Barnes, I'm, I'm, Pierre and I are in uh, good communication here. This uh, gentleman is doing such a wonderful job of exposing all the books in the schools and libraries across Canada. And uh, this morning, I got uh, a text, or sorry, an, an email saying that the Surrey Christian Elementary School is also promoting these disgusting books. And I just want to show you, they got a response. Um, one of them is, sorry, uh, one book is called Rick. Oh, normally when I click on that, the book would come up. Hmm. Okay, I was hoping to pull it up. And, and this book, Rick, is basically about a young man, uh, a boy, who is, there we go. I just have to move this. You can't see that on my screen, but I can. Okay, 11-year-old Rick Ramsey has generally gone along with everybody. 11 years old, remember that, right? Pre-puberty, 11 years old, just not making waves, even though he is increasingly uncomfortable with his father's jokes about girls and his best friend's explicit talk about sex. But now in middle school, he discovers the Rainbow Spectrum Club. Isn't that convenient that they have these clubs in elementary schools where kids of many genders and identities can express themselves and maybe among them he can find new friends and discover his own identity which may just be to opt out of sex altogether. So I, I find this very problematic especially for a Christian school and, and um, one of the individuals who runs the school actually responded to this. And this is his response right here. And this is very significant, how this Marxist agenda is infiltrating not only the public schools, but the Christian schools, because this isn't the only Christian school. Abbotsford Christian School has fully opened the door to this uh, LGBTQ trans agenda. And so has the Chilliwack Christian School. Um, along with, of course, all of the public schools. So you think, oh, I'm going to register my child in a Christian school. They'll be safe there. Um, you need to give yourself a check. And you need to realize this is much more pervasive than you could have ever imagined. So the commitment of the Surrey Christian School, we commit to authentically and respectfully honoring the dignity of sexual minority youth, taking great care to avoid misunderstanding, misattributing or belittling of their identity or experience. We commit to embracing sexual minority youth with a posture of open curiosity and genuine respect as required by our duty of care in line with our commitment to discipleship. While science has not conclusively confirmed the cause of sexual orientation, it has concluded that one's orientation is not a choice. The specific causes of gender questioning or gender dysphoria are recognized to be a complex vortex of genetic, psychological, hormonal, and social factors. We seek to support as we are able and defer to medical health and mental health professionals as appropriate. I just, you know, I, I look at this comment and I'm, I'm hoping that we're all a little bit shocked um, because sexual orientation, God created us, it says before the world was even created. He thought about us in our mother's womb and he knew whether we were going to be male or female um, and associated with our gender. It doesn't come down to gender ideology. This is a Christian school um, that I would say needs to delve into 1 Corinthians 5 in, in the word of God. And one of the things that the Bible says is, yes, we're to love 
But within the church and within uh, Christian organizations, it says there's a verse, if you can think about this, get rid of old yeast by removing the sinfulness from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. And what this is, it's not a hateful comment. A lot of people are trying, uh, the Trudeau government and the Marxists are saying that Christians are um, unloving, loving, intolerant. And really, is it intolerant and unloving to speak the truth? That kids can't change their gender ideology? Is it unloving to say that nearly 0% of kids in elementary school struggle with homosexuality? Is that unloving or are we speaking the truth? And when we talk about our rapid onset gender dysphoria, because of this social contagion, is that unloving to speak the truth so that other kids aren't wrapped up into this and causing themselves incredible bodily harm? No, I think the schools need to get themselves in check and they need to, Christian schools need to get into the word of God and uh, they need to stand boldly along with the rest of us. All right, I'm going to just move along here tonight. Uh, we're having, I hope that all of you have read this uh, weekly action that went out with our invite for um, Alex Newman. I, I'm just so excited to have Alex on. I've known Alex for a number of years, and he has just been on the forefront of exposing the 2030 agenda, and especially when it comes to the uh, radical ideologies that are affecting our kids. And, and so they're really gaining a hold in the public school systems with all this socialist rhetoric of uh, critical race theory and very clever the way they're doing it. But make no mistake, uh, we have we have uh, pulled a long way away from traditional schooling and values. And uh, we need to give the government, the provincial government and education a real check and that is going to be by exiting the public school systems, homeschooling our children, and then we'll see what they're going to do to grapple as they are going to have to lay off teachers and um, think about their funding. Just down below here, um, I want to point out the anti-free speech booklet. If you haven't uh, reviewed this, would you please go in and take a look at that? Uh, it has uh, been orchestrated by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Uh, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is uh, it's, it, it's a, a group of, uh, of individuals that uh, make it their objective in Canada to oppose and attack anybody with any kind of uh, a moral fiber in their being. And, and everybody that um, is opposing what Justin Trudeau is doing right now are considered um, hateful. Um, the Anti-Hate Network was behind putting me on the Wikipedia list of terrorists. If you can imagine me a terrorist, um, I'd like them to show some evidence of that. What threats have I made? Um, absolutely nothing. So this is the Canadian Anti-Hate uh, anti Network. Be very, very weary, leery as you uh, may hear about them and anything that they could possibly produce. Uh, their name is anything but. They are actually the ones fueling the hate in Canada. They are funded and supported by Trudeau and the Liberal government. That comes as no surprise. And then I want you to see what the uh, teachers associations and the unions are providing in their weekly newsletters or monthly newsletters uh, to teachers and parents, etc. It's quite shocking and alarming. All right, well, I won't go into uh, more of this information. I'm going to encourage you to go through. Uh, actually, you know what? I do want to speak 
about this gentleman. Uh, this is the, when we're talking about going from a free and democratic nation into Marxism. And the reason I said we should have thousands of people on this call tonight is because this is the strategy. And uh, if you watch this video, they'll teach you about some of the lies, the three lies of um, socialism. All right. And one of the things that they said is so with Castro, he went into the schools, his soldiers, sorry, would go into the schools and they'd be in a classroom and they tell all the kids, close your eyes. So the kids would all close their eyes and they say, pray to God and ask God to give you candy. So the kids, I'm sure, were praying, oh, God, give me candy. Yummy. And so um, they would open their eyes. And of course, there was no candy on their desks. So then he'd say, okay, the soldiers would say again, okay, now close your eyes and pray to Castro for candy. And the soldiers would quietly go around and put candy on the desks. All right. This is the infiltration in our schools. They know how to do this. They're professionals at it. So your children are going into schools as the love of your life's and they're coming out as little Marxist beings if you're not having a whole lot of conversation with them. And so that's why we're wanting to encourage as many people to exit the public school system as possible for such a time as this, as we work as a nation to get good, strong, moral, godly people into the roles of uh, ministers of education and school board trustees. It's got to start there. But in the meantime, we got to keep our kids safe. So I'm going to finish up with that. Next week, we're going to have a multitude of groups um, on associations from Nova Scotia to Ontario to Alberta and BC. It's going to be fabulous. I hope you can all join us for that as well. All right, um, Heather, if you could come on, please, and introduce our guest. That would be wonderful. Tanya, thank you so much for your updates, as well as for all the hard work you do as you teach and empower Canadians across our nation. And tonight, I also want to give a great big shout out to the Empower Hour crew, as well as to the many people who volunteer their time and talents to Action for Canada. I'm so pleased to welcome our special guest speaker, Alex Newman, to the Empower Hour tonight. Alex is a husband, father, author, educator, speaker, and award-winning international journalist. But above all, he is committed to glorifying God in his daily life and pursuits. In 2019, Alex and a coalition of Christian leaders formed a ministry called Public School Exit, which works to rescue American children from the horrors of the government-run education system. The Public School Exit ministry raises awareness and provides opportunities for parents and the church to liberate their children from the public school system that is polluting their hearts, minds, and souls. We are very grateful for the stand Alex has taken in exposing the anti-Christian indoctrination of children, as well as his commitment to honor God in all that he says and does. Will you please help me welcome for the very first time to the Empower Hour, Alex Newman. Alex, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Well, welcome, Alex. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, I, I, I am just always gleaning. Like, I, I look to you and your articles. You are an um, incredible journalist. 
you absolutely do your research. I've been paying attention, whether it was talking on climate change or nitrogen, the 2030 agenda, sustainable development goals. But I'm, I'm really interested tonight in talking to you about your journey and how part of I want to know how you came uh, to come into this business of addressing what you are in America, because I know that it, this is not just isolated to Canada. It's in every Western Christian nation. This is a global attack against society. But specific, I want to know the work that you're doing in the U.S. and, and how you came to, to be in the business that you are. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. It's so great to see you again after, after all these years. It's been a couple of years since I've been up in Canada. Um, I, I kind of came at this from a, a weird direction. I had ne actually never gone to a public school. I grew up uh, mostly in third world countries. I grew up in Latin America, a little time in Europe, and then went to Africa, back to Europe. So I, I never really experienced the public yeah. school system. Um, but as a journalist, I, I started getting curious. I, it, it was very obvious to me. Um, you know, I didn't even finish high school, but it was very obvious to me coming back to America that uh, something must be really wrong with the educational system. I, I could not believe it. I took, uh, you know, every state in, in the U.S. has a, a high school equivalency test you can take. Um, and so uh, I took that, and I, I could not believe it. I mean, this was stuff that I was learning in third, fourth grade. I, I couldn't believe that this was seriously uh, an exam to allow you to skip high school. But it was. So I, I knew very early on that something was very wrong with the system in the United States. Um, I started writing articles about Common Core. Now, for those who aren't familiar, Common Core is the set of national standards that the Obama administration tried to impose uh, on America by basically bribing our state governments to adopt it. And, uh, you know, right away, my, my uh, radar went off. I said, okay, something's really wrong here. We're not supposed to have national standards. As I dug into it and started talking to some of the people involved, it became very clear that uh, this was subversive. Uh, the values that were being taught were contrary to Christian principles, contrary to what our nation was founded on. Uh, the academics were just mind-numbingly dumbed down. And in fact, this was coming from the people who were on the Common Core Validation Committee. Um, they had one math expert, one English expert. They both told me, I serve on some boards with them, and they both told me that this is a disaster. I mean, I'm not going to sign off on this. So it was clear something was wrong. Um, a couple years after that, I was contacted by uh, Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld. Uh, he and I wrote for a number of uh, different publications, and uh, we shared some of the bylines in some of the same publications. And uh, he asked me, uh, Alex, would you be willing to work with me on uh, a book on education? He had already done 12 books on education, and uh, what an honor it was for me to, to be asked that. He, he had done, uh, let me see if I have, well, you see a whole bunch of them behind me. Uh, the one that we ended up producing, uh, Dr. Blumenfeld and I, you can see it right here. It's called Crimes of the Educators. Uh, this was published in uh, 2015. And so Sam had spent 60 years of his life studying the public education system, real research, right? He would go to the universities and pull out the archives and the correspondence from the people he was investigating. Uh, true, true research. And uh, so he focused on the past, what, how we had gotten to where we were. Uh, I focused on what was happening at the time, which was the rollout of Common Core, the, the increasing federalization of our education system, and where it was all going, right? The globalization of education around the world and, and how these... Um, international standards, international testing, international values were, were making their way down to the local level. So um, as I was working on this with Sam, I, I ended up reading all the books that he ever wrote about it, and um, it, it clicked. 
I realize that this is the issue that transcends all the other issues. You know, I, I, I've been writing about all kinds of things. I've been writing about the UN, the open borders, the efforts to suppress our free speech, the efforts to uh, silence Christians, you know, all, all of these things I've been talking about and I've been researching and I've been exposing. But when I realized that education was the thread that ran through them all, I, I said, this is, I mean, this has to be the focus because if we get this one wrong, we're going to lose on all of the other issues anyway. Uh, so I, I decided to make education a, a centerpiece of what I was doing. And talking to a lot of very smart people, um, I very quickly came to the realization that, um, you know, the system wasn't broken. There, there's this really damaging myth out there that we hear a lot um, that the, the public school system is just broken. If we could just tinker with it, if we could just reform it a little bit, then everything would be fine. Um, and, and what I realized was that's not true. Uh, in fact, if you go back and you look at the history of the people who created this system, uh, what you'll find is that it's working perfectly. It's working as intended. It's designed, and it was created to turn our children away from God, turn our children away from truth, turn our children away from their families, from their countries, from their liberties, from our constitutions. And um, so I, I realized that, you know, this is not something that can be reformed. It'd be like asking, you know, can we reform your cancer for you? Well, no, thank you. I'd, I'd rather get rid of the cancer, please. Right? And, and, and people sometimes think I'm just being inflammatory. I'm not being inflammatory at all. In fact, um, and I think if you stop and think about it, you'll see what I mean. Um, there's this idea out there that if you oppose public education, then you're opposed to education. Obviously, that's self-evidently ludicrous. Uh, we had a far more educated population in the United States, far more literate uh, 200 years ago before we had a government school system than we do today. Uh, and, and there's also this myth out there that the government school system has always been ubiquitous. And, um, you know, it's because we've had it for several generations now that people just assume that, but it's not. In fact, this, this whole idea that the government should be educating children is really a new and very modern innovation. Uh, the first time I can ever find anybody publicly advocating this was actually Plato. Um, you know, a lot of people who like to quote Plato don't really know what he believed. The guy was a raging to totalitarian. Of course, he was a pagan. Um, and, and he believed that uh, there should be a, a, a case, a class of philosopher kings who should rule over the rest of us, and that government schools should be established so that they could train uh, us, the ruled, to uh, be good subjects, and then the philosopher kings to be good philosopher kings who would rule, apparently, in our, in our own interest. Um, so that's a very totalitarian idea. It's also a pagan idea. Uh, if you open up your Bibles, what you'll quickly find is that God never delegated any authority, not even a, an implied or a semblance of authority, to Caesar to educate children. Every reference you'll find to educating, discipling, training uh, your children always falls to the parents. And then, of course, the church is, is supposed to be equipping the saints, and so the church should be helping parents, equipping parents to do that. But really, uh, the government, the civil government, which is a divine institution, I mean, God ordained that there should be government, uh, but it has to stay in its proper sphere. The job of the government, as explained in the Bible, is to punish evil. It's not to educate your kids. Um, so I, I, I think the, the argument for abolishing government schools has never been stronger. And I think the argument for Christian parents to remove their children from school, um, at this point, it, I, I tell people it's like the school buildings are on fire, right? Um, if the building was on fire, it would never occur to you to run for school board or lobby your state legislator or start a petition or anything like that. Um, you'd be crazy if your child was trapped inside, the school was burning, and, and you're thinking about petitions, right? Um, and, and I tell people the, the burning building metaphor is really not even adequate because uh, a burning building is only going to hurt you physically, right? Um, 
what the public schools are doing today, and this is demonstrable, it's proven, and I, I've got you know all the evidence in the world. We can spend some time talking about it. The schools are destroying your children mentally, physically, spiritually, academically, morally, in every possible way. Um, so, so really, a fire would be less damaging to your children. Uh, and so, I've got a lot of Bible verses that I've collected that deal with these things. Uh, you know, happy to to talk about some of them, but the one that really has just stuck with me, um, Jesus is quoted twice in the New Testament, in the Gospels, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, and he's also quoted again in Luke. Uh, he says, whoever is not with me is against me. And, uh, you know, I know the situation in Canada is the same as it is in the United States. Nobody in their right mind could argue that the schools are with Christ. Um, that's not to say that there are no Christians working in the schools. That's not to say there are no well-intentioned uh, people of God within the system, but the system itself is demonstrating monstrably not with Christ. And that leaves us really with one option. If they're not with Christ, according to the litmus test that our Lord, our Savior, and our King laid out for us, they are against Christ. And so we as Christians, I think we need to think really seriously about this, right? Jesus said, uh, you know, what belongs to Caesar, give it to Caesar. So if your children, you think they belong to Caesar, then by all means, keep handing them over to Caesar for uh, seven, eight hours of indoctrination five days a week for 12 years. But if your children belong to God and God made you responsible for the discipling and the training and the upbringing and the education of those children, which if you read the scriptures, he clearly did, then you have a choice to make. And uh, I know in Canada, homeschooling is still legal. I know uh, Christian schools are still legal in Canada. And so I, I think it is, um, it is incumbent on every Christian parent to uh, immediately and I mean immediately, like yesterday, uh, if your children are still in a public school, get them out. And again, I know that's controversial. I know, um, you know some people will think I'm being inflammatory, but I, I really am not. Um, after studying this system for so many years, uh, I've, I've concluded that uh, the reason we're in the mess that we are in is because we, we really ignored God's prescriptions for, for the raising and the educating and the discipling of children. Uh, we followed man's ideas, man's uh, wisdom. And uh, we ended up in this devastating place that we're in now where we've had multiple generations that have been turned away from God, from the Bible, from truth uh, by these government schools. And the last thing I'll say, Tanya, before kicking it back to you and, and uh, asking what kind of questions you guys have, is uh, the history of this system is very, very clear. It was created from start to finish by people who rejected God and rejected the Bible. And in fact, their, their reason for doing it was to turn the children away from God, away from the Bible, and uh, this is very easy to prove. Um, you know, I mentioned Plato was the first one who came up with this idea. Uh, 2,000 years almost of church history, parents were in charge of education. Uh, during the Protestant Reformation, uh, we had uh, churches take a, a slightly larger role, right? Luther believed that there should be a bigger role for the church in the education of children. Um, but really, this was parents and the church working in partnership to educate the children. It was not the government educating the children. And I'll give you guys just the, the brief story of how it went in the United States. And really, the model went out from the United States to the rest of the world. So we had a, a, a guy here, a, a socialist, a communist, actually, by the name of Robert Owen. Uh, he was a Welsh uh, textile manufacturer, a very wealthy. And he came to the conclusion that the Bible was fraudulent, that it was fake, that um, the, the principles that God has laid out for us for our well-being 
family, a private property, things like this, right? Uh, that those were outdated, that those needed to, to be uh, abolished. And so he actually even created a, a communist commune in, in our state of Indiana. It was called New Harmony. Lasted oh, all of two years before it fell apart because, of course, God ordained family. God ordained private property when he said, thou shalt not steal. So when you ignore God's laws, when you ignore God's rules, when you ignore God's morality, you get uh, this absolutely ridiculous situation like what you had in, in New Harmony, where everything collapses in on itself, uh, the conflict, and, and it can't continue. So Robert Owen came to the conclusion that the reason it did not work was not because ignoring God's laws was ridiculous, but it was because these children and, and their parents had been uh, had, had come from a, a Christian world where, where a biblical worldview still predominated, uh, where everybody was too individualistic and they were worried about uh, the individual and the family as opposed to the community and the collective. So he came to the conclusion that if we could get the government to educate the children, we could change this on a, on a systematic, society-wide scale. Uh, and, and so a lot of this is going to sound crazy, but uh, the evidence is out there. I can share it with you, and people can look it up for themselves. And I always encourage people to look things up for themselves. Don't believe me just because I'm saying things. But so Robert Owen actually, uh, he wrote a series of essays, um, uh, really incredible essays. Uh, one he wrote in 1813 was called uh, A New View of Society, or Essays on the Formation of Human character. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, it follows that every state to be well governed not to direct its chief attention to the formation of character and that the best governed state will be that which shall possess the best national system of education. Now to us, that, that doesn't sound very radical, but imagine saying that to a group of Christians who never would have imagined in a million years that the government would educate their children. Imagine saying that to, to Christians. They would have said, that's crazy. We don't need uh, the government to educate our children. Thank you very much. We've been doing it very well. And our kids, uh, they can read, they can write, they know their Bibles. Uh, you know, we're good. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Owen. But uh, he went on to say in this essay, he says, under the guidance of minds competent to its direction, a national system of training and education may be formed to become the most safe, easy, effectual, and economical instrument of government that can be devised. He said it may be made to possess a power equal to the accomplishment of the most grand and beneficial purposes. Uh, okay, so right away we can tell he obviously does not have a biblical worldview, right? He looks at the world through uh, a pagan lens or a humanistic lens where mankind is really innately good, right? The Bible teaches that man's heart is desperately wicked, right? So right away we can tell he comes from uh, a non-Christian, a non-biblical worldview. Um, and so he wrote all these essays arguing for the government to take over education, and they did not catch on in America. They did catch on in Prussia. Uh, in his autobiography, he wrote that uh, the ambassador from Prussia had picked up copies of these essays and had taken them back to the Prussian dictator. Uh, for those who don't know about the Prussian dictatorship, uh, it was one of the most anti-Christian, vile governments in all of Europe at the time. It was deeply involved in the occult. Uh, in fact, um, the, uh, the Prussian regime was one of the most closely affiliated with Adam Weishaupt of the Jacobins, uh, an absolutely subversive uh, a hater of Christianity and hater of Christian moral principles. So the Prussian dictator loved these essays and he ordered his interior minister to start building just such a national system of education. The first time in the Western world where uh, a system of education uh, of the government, by the government, for the government was ever devised. And of course, Hitler would later pick up on that architecture and, and actually make it mandatory and make it a crime for parents not to send their children to these schools. Now, another thing that Robert Owen did um, was he set up uh, a secret society. And, uh, you know, 
I don't mean to sound conspiratorial here, but again, the evidence of this is overwhelming. We actually had a defector from the secret society come out and blow the whistle. Uh, his name was Orestes Brownson, and uh, he said in uh, his book about this that he was actually part of this secret society. He said he was organizing uh, big parts of New York for this secret society. And so here's a couple of things that he wrote in his book about this secret society. He said it was modeled on the Carbonari of Europe, uh, which is a secret society, very subversive secret society in Italy. Uh, he says, and I'm quoting here, the members of the secret society were to avail themselves of all the means in their power, each in his own locality, to form public opinion in favor of education by the state at the public expense and to get such men elected to the legislatures as would be like to favor our purposes. Okay, so he recognized, um, uh, Robert uh, Owen did, that the way to make this happen was to secretly try to influence public opinion and try to get men elected to our state legislatures who would be in favor of these principles. And this is what Orestes Brownson said was the end objective. I'm quoting here again directly from his book exposing this. And again, this is a man who was involved in this secret society. He eventually uh, found Christ and repented, and that's when he blew the whistle. But this is what he said. The great object was to get rid of Christianity. He said the plan was not to make open attacks on religion, although we might belabor the clergy and bring them into contempt where we could, but to establish a system of state, we said national schools, from which all religion was to be excluded, in which nothing was to be taught but such knowledge as is verifiable by the senses, and to which all parents were to be compelled by law to send their children." So that right there, folks, is the genesis of the modern public school system. Uh, Horace Mann, um, he was one of the um, operatives of this idea. Whether he, he was actually part of the society or not, we don't know. But he got himself selected with the help of other anti-Christian fanatics as the very first secretary of education in any of the American states. So he was appointed in the state of Massachusetts. No state had ever had a secretary of education because no state had ever had a system of government education. Well, Horace Mann gets himself selected as secretary of education. He goes to Prussia, to study the Prussian system, and then he brings it to the state of Massachusetts, or the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, he believed in getting the Bible out of the schools. Now, obviously, that didn't catch on. America was such a thoroughly Christian society that even the idea of having school without the most important textbook, just it was ludicrous. People wouldn't go for it. He wanted uh, public education to equalize all men and to instill total and unquestioning obedience and loyalty to the state. Um, he also rejected Christianity, uh, very publicly, by the way. It wasn't a secret that he had rejected Christianity. And then uh, I'll tell you about one more character who was instrumental in giving us the system that we have today all around the world. His name was John Dewey. And if you talk to anybody who's gotten a, a degree in education from any uh, uh, education college in the United States, they'll tell you, yep, John Dewey is the founding father of our public school system. Well, John Dewey, instead of going to Prussia, he actually went to the Soviet Union. He loved what the Soviet schools were doing. He wrote all these articles back for American publications about how great the Soviet Union was. Um, he wanted to do the same thing in America. He especially liked their system of public education. So he set off to uh, harness the public education system that was then um, being created in the United States, right? A lot of people don't realize most children in America did not start attending public school until World War I, where they sent all the men off to go die in the war. Then the women had to go work in the factories because the men who used to work there were all sent off to war. And so all these children suddenly had nobody at home to teach them. And so that's the first time in American history where the, the majority of American children ended up in public schools. So uh, John Dewey uh, continued with it. I, I won't even get into the educational quackery. I just want to focus on the religious side of it, since uh, I know we are all 
anxious to serve the Lord and, and understand uh, what he would have for us and, of course, the devices of the enemy. And so uh, John Dewey was also a religious man, uh, not, not a religious man in the sense that we might understand, but he, he believed himself to be uh, the co-founder of a new religion. Uh, he and uh, about two and a half dozen of his subversive colleagues they actually created a religious manifesto. They called it the Humanist Manifesto. And I want to quote uh, a little bit. For, uh, the very first tenet of this manifesto, I want to quote to you. Uh, they said, religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Okay? Now compare that with the first words in the Bible. The Bible tells us, right on the first page, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Um, that's what the Bible says. So, so very clearly, John Dewey's false religion is incompatible with Christianity. Now, uh, in our country, here in the United States, uh, our founding fathers, when we separated from Britain, uh, they actually wrote the Declaration of Independence, and they didn't even think this was a, a religious discussion. They, they said, and I'm quoting here from our Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, right? God said, thou shalt not murder. That means he gave you a right to life, the right to liberty, right? Uh, the right to own property. God said, thou shalt not steal. That's where our founding fathers got these ideas. And notice, they didn't think that this was something for debating. They didn't think this was something that you had to be a Bible scholar to understand. They said it was a self-evident truth that we were created. So, Obviously, John Dewey rejected that. If you read the rest of the Humanist Manifesto, it's really just Soviet uh, communism and collectivism, uh, you know, hiding behind religious garb. He says we need to, uh, he says the humanists are firmly convinced that the existing acquisitive and profit motive society has shown itself to be inadequate, and that a radical change in methods, controls, and motives must be instituted. Uh, they went on to say that a socialized and cooperative economic order must be established to the end that the equitable distribution of the means of life be possible. Okay, uh, we've heard that language before from Castro, from Chairman Mao, from Joseph Stalin, from Adolf Hitler, right? We've heard these collectivist ideas over and over and over again. They always end in disaster. But uh, in America, at least, uh, this false religion, this humanist religion that says God does not exist, you are God, you can decide for yourself what's right and wrong, uh, it actually ended up being adopted as the official religion of the government in a roundabout kind of way. Our U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 1962 that uh, schools could no longer longer have uh, Bible reading uh, and prayer in 1963. And then in 1965, they said children couldn't even uh, bring Bibles to school and pray. Uh, and of course, this um, this religion is uh, obviously, uh, John Dewey's religion, is obviously not new, right? If you think about this idea that man can be God, that man can decide for himself what's right and wrong, uh, we've heard that before, right? If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, those are literally the words that came out of Satan's mouth. God knows that when you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, right? This is the same evil idea that uh, Dewey and his humanist colleagues were promoting. And so what happened was our Supreme Court actually uh, decided that all children must learn this false religion. And one of our Supreme Court justices who wrote the dissent in this case actually hit the nail on the head. He said, this refusal to permit these religious exercises is thus seen not as the realization of state neutrality with respect to religion, but rather as the establishment of a religion of secularism. So they finally drove God 
out of all instruction, out of the classroom. And, um, you know, the Bible is very clear. The, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how we need to educate children. It doesn't tell us that we need 17 credit hours of math and 13 credit hours of physics. You know, God leaves a lot of that to parents and, and to uh, educators. And, of course, we can uh, delegate some of those. But God does give us some very, very basic elements of what an education should look like, right? If you go to Proverbs 9.10, God tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you go to Proverbs 1.7, we learn that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, uh, of course, if the Lord is not being taught in school, if the Lord is not welcome in school, you cannot expect your kids to get wisdom or knowledge there. So uh, I'll leave it at that and kick it back to you. Thank you, Tanya. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much for that. Um, um, Alex, my goodness, I was I always am a note taker. <laughs> so I'm listening to what you have to say, and I hope all our, our viewers are absorbing uh, the information that you're providing. They're, you can understand why they're trying to burn the history books, <laughs> right? That there would be no evidence of how this has incrementally creeped into our education system. And in Canada as well, it's supposed to, education is supposed to be provincial. But you are right, they are federalizing it. And further than that, they're globalizing it. Because we have uh, the UN, who are, is an unelected body, are interfering with our democracy. And uh, especially with the Comprehensive Sexual Education Program, they were the ones that said, we want all member nations to implement this into their schools. And this is all the gender theory and gender ideology nonsense that is causing a massive social contagion and uh, confusing our children. Uh, bringing in the critical race theory and scaring the bejeebers out of them with climate change and all the nonsense. And and uh, so when you were saying the schools are on fire, I, I was just considering that and thinking, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, now, can I ask you a question? How do you feel uh, with the school boards as far as the trustees are concerned, uh, we, we are having a massive campaign in Canada where we're trying to actually take back our school boards so that uh, we would have the majority and we would have a say and we would push all of this nonsense out of the schools. But in the meantime, we are compelling parents to pull their kids out of school, whether Christian or non-Christian, get them into homeschooling pods. We're appealing to pastors and churches to open up their churches the five days a week during the week to provide um, training as well. What would you say about that with the school boards? Where are you at in the United States and what would you say in general? Yeah, a great question. And it's a question that we are all still wrestling with here in America. I, I tell parents, you know, if your children are safely out of the burning building, then by all means, run for school board and let's try to figure out how we can at least help some of the other children that are still trapped inside and burning. You know, we can't run in and grab them because they're not our children. But hey, at least we can sound the alarm. We can let the town know that the building is burning. You know, there's a lot we can do from a school board. But the first and most urgent priority, I think, for every parent and for every pastor is get all the as many young people as you can, especially your own children and the children from your congregation out of there immediately. Um, I will say, though, Tanya, uh, while, while I do support people running for school board, and in fact, I have many friends uh, who are running, who have helped, who are on state school boards, local school boards. Um, I will say that I don't believe the public schools can be reformed, uh, again, because of this history, right? They're, they're doing what they were designed to do. And I think uh, the, the way I understand the Bible, uh, the responsibility for education really should be on parents. I, I don't believe the, that yes. the government ought to be in the business of educating children. And, uh, you know, you, you hear like, well, what about poor people? You know, poor people need to send their kids to school, too. And, and I say, just apply this to anything else in the world, right? Uh, there are some people who cannot afford food. 
nobody in, in their right mind, at least, other than, you know, Fidel Castro and, and Chairman Mao and Mugabe, and they, nobody in their right mind would say, well, because some people can't afford food, we need to have the government run all the grocery stores and the government should run all the farms. That's totally crazy, right? If there's some people who need a little bit of help, uh, we as Christians, we can step in and help. Before we had a government-run school system in America, virtually every church denomination in this country operated their own schools, and virtually every church denomination in the country would allow children to attend for free or at a reduced cost if their parents were unable to pay. So there are lots of solutions to do that. Um, I'll tell you, for, for public school exit, uh, the ministry that you mentioned that we started a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, we have some incredible people on our board of advisors. Uh, I mean, just unbelievable uh, uh, people who've been in this fight for significantly longer than I've been alive. Um, two that I want to mention in particular, because they have a lot of experience in this, and I'm sure they'd love to talk to anybody. If anybody has questions, I can put you in touch with them. Uh, we have Diane Douglas. Uh, she was the most recent head of uh, the public school system in the state of Arizona. Uh, in Arizona, you know, you guys have, I guess, an education minister or whatever. Uh, the state of Arizona has what they call the uh, superintendent of public instruction for the state. Uh, so uh, the, the woman who served in that role for four years, she, she stepped down and said this is hopeless uh, and now serves on our board. Her name is Diane Douglas, and she, she served in every possible role you could think of in the education system. She served on school boards. She served in schools. She served as chair of school boards. She served as the highest education official in that state. And then she said, look, this is hopeless. It, you might as well just go bang your head against the wall. You're not going to be able to fix these schools. Um, another gentleman that we have on our board of advisors, his name is uh, Steve Baldwin. Uh, he was the last conservative chairman of the uh, California State uh, Assembly's Education Committee, right? That's really where all the education laws originate in the state of California is through the Education Committee. He was the last conservative chair of that body. And they passed a bunch of laws that were designed to reform the schools and, you know, bring, bring some useful knowledge back into the classroom. He said it was a total waste of time. So he said, hey, we had another idea. We went and we started getting people elected to school boards. He helped more than 50 people get elected to school boards. In some cases, they took over the entire school board. And guess what? They still couldn't stop the madness. And the reason why, Tanya, is, and I'm sure the situation is the same in Canada, uh, the, the system, I, I compare it to a hydra. You know, the, these um, critters that live under the sea, they've got all these tentacles and uh, they, they, you know, grab things and shove them into their mouth. And uh, you can cut off one tentacle, you could cut off two tentacles or three tentacles. Those tentacles will grow back, first of all, and the hydra will continue eating the children with the other tentacles that are still available to it. And so that's exactly what we're seeing We've taken over state school boards. We've taken over local school boards. We've had our people elected to the highest education positions. And unfortunately, the, the indoctrination, the sexualization, the dumbing down continues to get worse year after year. Yeah, it's just, a, it's shocking. But what I see is, you know, when I look at, I, st I started all of this seven years ago. Um, you know, I helped with the school system, with kids that were behind on reading, etc. I was a very involved mom, uh, but really, really had to be hyper-involved in order to counter, you know, what my kids were already 25 years ago being exposed to. That's, you know, for decades this has been going on. And it's like how to undo, how to correct this, um, I, I just hear what you're saying, and I appreciate it so much. I've uh, looked into this public school exit. I 100% agree that the churches need to get involved. Uh, the Bible was uh, the, the book that we referred to for teaching and for quality, and I think that it says very clearly it, you know, we're to raise our children in the way they should go, and they won't depart from it. 
And many years ago, we've talked about communism. You have. There was the 45 goals of communism, and I'd pretty much uh, probably guarantee that both Canada and America are there. And the objective was to emasculate men and to elevate women so that women would go to school, they'd feel like less of a person if they didn't have an education, then they'd go into the workplace, and of course, where does that leave children? So, uh, you know, conveniently being funneled into the education system to be indoctrinated for seven or, seven or eight hours a day, depending if there's after-school programs, etc. And and so now, you know, we've got this mess decades later where, you know, for me, as, as a mom, I thought that I was doing a good thing, you know, putting my kids in school and overseeing their education. And, and when my kids were in kindergarten is when these one dad, two dad, mom dad, three moms or whatever books came out and I opposed them and they didn't make it into the school. And I, I realized, you know, that was kind of the beginning of my education and my activism. And uh, but we're at a point now, uh, you know, where it's a very, very serious situation and we need to not only appeal to parents to remove their children, we need to appeal to fathers and we need to um, encourage men to understand that God designed them. Their DNA can't be changed and that they were to be the warriors on the front line of this. And that's, you know, I have so much respect for you defending your family, defending other people's families and our children. We need to, I don't want to say we need to build men back up again, but we need to tell them and direct them to say, we need you get on the front line of this. You need to be the men again. And to women, uh, you know, we need to understand our role as well. I'm, I'm not a feminist. And I'm not saying that um, as a woman, I have a weaker role. I'm obviously having an impact and we can all do that. But it was there was a time when moms were home and we were raising our families. We were over. We were able to see what was coming. We were helping to care for our neighbors who couldn't care for themselves, but uh, they've driven up the economy. They've made it so very difficult for moms to stay home at this point. And that's why as communities, we need to come together and make this happen. Yeah, I agree with every word you just said, Tanya. It's so critical. And I want to really emphasize what you just said about moms and dads and families. Um, you know, we, we, we all read uh, the Great Commission, right, in Matthew, go out and make disciples of all nations and preach the gospel and teach them all to obey. And, and that's all good. We need to do that. That's an order. That's a direct command from our Lord and our Savior and our King. Uh, but folks, it begins in our own home, right? Our, our very first ministry is to our families and to our children. So dads, God has called you to, to lead the education of your children. Moms, God has called you to educate and lead your children and to train them. And again, if you read through Scripture, this is a consistent theme from the beginning to the end. Uh, you know, I, I encourage people to go back and read Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 11. I mean, God is so clear. He says, you know, you should t teach your children God's laws when you're sitting in your house, when you're, you're walking by the way, when you lie down and go to sleep at night, when you rise up in the morning. There's no time to give your children to Caesar for sex ed lessons and transgender stuff. But I mean, there's no time for that. You're supposed to be teaching your kids about God mm -hmm. all the time. You, you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, 
or some translations use parents. Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? I mean, the, the Bible is just so clear. You'll, you'll never see any reference to Caesar. This is how you should educate children. It's just not in there. And because we've been raised in this culture where government education of children is just ubiquitous and it's the norm, uh, a lot of us haven't stopped to think about that. So moms and dads and pastors, you guys are the key to protecting your children. And, you know, I, I don't know the data for Canada, but I can tell you the data for the United States. I'm on uh, the advisory board for the Nehemiah Institute. Uh, it's an organization that's been studying worldview in America for almost 40 years now. They go into churches. They, they give uh, surveys and tests to try to see where people and pastors and children are at. Uh, and what they have found is that more than 80% of Christian children from Christian homes with married Christian parents will leave the faith and will leave the church after 12 years in a government indoctrination program. And I, you know, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not telling people that homeschooling is going to save your children. right? Uh, Jesus Christ saves your children, and only Jesus Christ saves your children. But homeschooling certainly isn't going to help, and it, uh, it isn't going to hurt, and it is going to help in, in every possible way for you to fulfill your responsibilities. And God God blesses it. When you follow his instructions, when you're faithful to what he's commanded us as fathers, as mothers, as parents, um, he is absolutely there to bless you every step of the way. And I know it's scary. I know you're thinking, oh, how are we going to live on one income? How are we going to, we're going to have to get a smaller house and an older car? Yeah, that's true. It's absolutely true. I'm not going to lie to you. But if your children are not your top priority, I think you need to rearrange your priority list. Yeah, I appreciate those words. I, I really do. Um, that's why I said at the onset of the show, uh, we addressed uh, travel last week because, of course, Canadians are having quite a hard time here coming or going from Canada. It's very draconian. So we provided a notice of liability and some instruction to help as many people as possible assert their rights. And, you know, we had a good turnout. And, I mean, we have a good turnout tonight. But every time I talk on this issue, uh, you know, I would consider we would have a full house. It wouldn't be room, you know, in our Zoom meeting and on the Facebook page. People have to understand what's at stake here. Think about the indoctrination that's going on in the schools. I mean, I've had reports from moms when kids are being inundated with climate change propaganda where they get in the car and all of a sudden, you know, they'd be berating their parent for ruining the climate and ruining yeah. the world and not caring. And it, it's just there's so many levels of all wrong here. And we do have to figure out how to do this. Uh, they're trying to deconstruct their family. Uh, this whole trans agenda is part of the, the global agenda to, uh, well, I think it's a very demonic agenda. First and foremost, a very deviant sexual agenda, which uh, biblically, when you open the doors to deviant sexuality in your nation and false gods and teachings, you know, the Lord kind of turns his back and he says, you know, have a time at it. See how you do. And, and because of it, we open those doors and we got to close them again. And we got to get right with God as a nation. And um, we've got to uh, not be so nice anymore. I mean, Jesus overturned tables. He, he looked at the Pharisees and said, you brood of vipers. I, I mean, Action for Canada is about calling it out. We're about exposing the evil and what is corrupting this nation. We've always said that uh, Canada is a Christian nation inherited through our British Commonwealth, and it's embedded in our Magna Carta. It forms our laws and our values and our principles. And you were just talking about the biblical principles of not stealing. And it gives Canadians the freedom to believe or not to believe without fear of persecution, oppression, or even death. And... That means that if you're a non-Christian, you can live in Canada 
and you can live with freedom. You don't have to worry about being persecuted or beheaded for your beliefs. And I challenge people, would you want to live in North Korea, China, Pakistan, one of the you know 57 Islamic majority countries? And the answer is always no. It's a very easy argument to have. We are blessed in these nations. And if we don't stand up and, and start realizing what biblical principles do and pass those on to our kids, we can kiss our freedoms goodbye. Because they're indoctrinating our kids, they're to to, uh, turning them into little socialist minions, and uh, we're not going to recognize this country if we don't really get super involved. Yeah, you, you are absolutely right, Tanya. And you, know, you, you said something that I think a lot of people would hear and say, that, that's inflammatory. You said this was demonic, and it is demonic, and it's demonstrable, it's provable that it's demonic. First of all, open up your Bibles, right? Uh, the Bible talks about the God of this world, and, and Satan's got the, the whole world in his hands, right? I mean, it, it's just the, the level of evil that has crept into our education system now is incredible, and they don't even shy away from admitting it anymore. Now, I'll give you a very specific example. I know we're, we're coming close to the time, but I, I, I will give you a very specific example. The UN created what they call the World Core Curriculum. Now, uh, this was... Uh, written by Assistant Secretary General Robert Mueller. Uh, this is a man who said the United Nations was the body of Christ, which is, of course, ludicrous. The Church of Jesus Christ. That's the body of Christ, okay? Not the United Nations, not Kim Jong-un and Robert Mugabe and mass-murdering dictatorships. Sorry, that's not the body of Christ. Um, and so in this World Core curriculum that, uh, by the way, they said should be taught in every school on the planet. If you look at our Common Core here, uh, two years before Bill Gates started pouring billions of dollars into Common Core, he was actually at UNESCO headquarters signing a deal with UNESCO, with the head of UNESCO, that they were going to work on creating global standards, global curricula, global teacher training programs, all the rest of it. He came back, started pouring money into Common Core. The Common Core people brag that it's aligned with the international standards. And so now here's the kicker. Uh, the guy who wrote the World Core curriculum, and you can still read it on the UN's website, uh, he put out a teacher's manual for the World Core curriculum. And if you open it up and you go to the foreword, what you'll find is he admits that this model of education is based on the teachings, he says, of Alice Bailey and the Tibetan teacher Javal Kool. Okay, and it's very easy to read right over that if you don't know what he's talking about. Well, I'll tell you what he's talking about. Alice Bailey was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. Uh, now they call it the Lucius Trust. It's still out there. You can go read their website. It is absolutely straight from the pit of hell. Okay, They were theosophists. They take the biblical story upside down. Lucifer was the one who came to enlighten us and save us from this mean, oppressive Jehovah dictator that had us trapped in the garden. But that's what these people believe. Uh, and then this um, this uh, Tibetan teacher, Javal Kool, uh, all you got to do is Google the guy. I don't know if Google now suppresses the truth on everything, but look up Javal Kool. Uh, he's not Tibetan and he's not a teacher. He's not even a human being. Alice Bailey claims she was communicating with spiritual entities. She called them ascended masters, and they were giving her these special revelations. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, the Bible is very clear about what this is. She's not talking to ascended masters. She's talking to demons. Um, and so the demons were the ones who were giving her her information. She wrote all these crazy books about education in the New Age. And uh, one of the things that is crystal clear through all her writings is that Christians, in her view, are standing in the way of this uh, human conscience evolution into the New Age. She believes that Christians who believe the Bible are standing in the way of this wonderful new era where we're going to evolve to the next level. And, of course, this is all, again, straight from the pit of hell. And it's admitted in their documents. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's quite frightening, right? Because um, citizens, especially, I guess, within America and Canada, 
Well, I've experienced this in, in, in about the spring when I started writing on the New Age. I had It had come to my awareness that one of their top gurus was uh, tied to the World Economic Forum. And so I decided to write an article on that because, like I said, for seven years, I've been talking about what's the value of living in a Christian nation. Why should we all be embracing that, whether you're a Christian or not? What, what value does this have to you? And, and so I exposed this with the New Age. I also exposed the Pope. And uh, there's just there were small groups, uh, some individuals from the New Age. Some had thanked me profusely for bringing awareness to that in the One World Religion. And then there was a little bit of backlash, but not too much. But the ones that were, were vicious and the New Age is all supposed to be loving and good. And I'm thinking, isn't this exactly what we're fighting? Is the censorship of news when you've got facts, shouldn't we be able to, you know, uh, relay those to the public and let them make their own educated decision? And so when you were talking about Alice Bailey, like she was uh, really one of the originators of the New Age movement. And it was specifically created to attack Christianity because they know and they're driven by, like you said, uh, demonic senses and uh, voices, etc. They they know that Christianity is stay, is the one thing standing in the way between them and uh, total destruction. And in throughout biblical history and and um, other you know just history itself is that when a nation was falling, it usually came with the sacrifice of children. It began with the sacrifice of children. And, uh, you know, that has come in as uh, abortion. Uh, you know, people would say, oh, woman's right to choose. Uh, their marketing has been very clever. But now it's coming undone. And we're being able to call evil what it is. Uh, people are beginning to critically think again. Uh, uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for for COVID. Because you and I were ringing the bell well before this fraud of COVID came in. And people weren't ready to listen. They could still go to work and buy their boat and go on a holiday and get their kids in all the sports they wanted to. But times have changed. And we need to say praise the Lord for that. Um, because this is our wake-up call, and we're being given an opportunity here to change things. So, um, uh, Alex, I'm, when I'm looking down, everybody, I'm not looking down and communicating with my friends. I've got my phone, and I'm um, <laughs> communicating with my production team. And as well, I would like to, um, Terendu, if we have anybody with their hand up, if you have a question for Alex, would you please take the opportunity to raise your hand or put it in the Q&A uh, first question we have is from Greg. Greg, you should see a little message pop up on your screen to unmute. Here hey, we everybody. are. Hello, my friend. Hi, Greg. Nice. How are you? you? Good to be here with you. Thank you, Alex. Yes, here's my situation. Um, beautiful daughter, nine years in a Christian school. I went to her grade eight grad. 97% of parents and kids are masked up. Half the teachers are vaxxed. The other day, my daughter says, well, I don't really know about the Bible. I'm not sure about God. And I'm a pastor as well. So I'm thinking, what is going on? And I have a decision to make. She's going into grade nine. And um, I'm really concerned. And I'm sure I'm not alone. You know, here's a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with my fingers. You know, I'm doing the rabbit ears. Christian school. What happened? So... Mm. That's my question. <laughs> Help. 
Well, th thank you, Pastor. Um, I can't tell you how many people in the United States I've heard that same thing from. Uh, we have a real problem with our Christian schools, and I tell all parents you must properly vet uh, any school before you delegate this enormous responsibility to anyone. Uh, even if they call themselves Christian. And so we've actually put out some materials on you know, questions you might ask to the administrators before uh, trusting your children to a Christian school. Uh, and, and in reality, there are many wonderful Christian schools. There's a lot of really, really great ones. There's some that I work with. Uh, you know, I, I've gone all across this country and, and to other countries, and, and I've met with leaders of Christian schools. I've spoken to students at Christian schools. There are some that are just incredible absolutely incredible. Uh, and then there are others, uh, I call them uh, uh, kinos, right? They're, they're Christian in name only. Um, and, and we're seeing that increasingly in the United States too. E even uh, schools that were once, you know, very orthodox, you know, uh, uh, very well grounded in the Bible. Now you see this, uh, the, you know, the, the woke agenda coming in and the, the racial stuff and the sexual stuff. You're like, why? Why is this coming in? Uh, so I, I tell parents you need to be uh, incredibly careful. There are some really good resources out there for people who are involved in Christian schools that are trying to keep this stuff from coming in. Um, I mentioned our, our board of advisors at public school exit. Um, any of them are, are I mean, the reason they're, they're with us is because they want to help uh, Christians, they want to help families, they want to help churches and pastors to navigate these issues. And so uh, for people who, are, who have questions about this, I'd really recommend get in touch with us at Public School Exit. We'll send you to uh, one of the great organizations. We've got two of their leaders on our advisory board. It's called the Foundation for American Christian Education. It's based in Virginia. And um, they have developed what they call the principal approach. Um, it is phenomenal. Uh, it, it's just absolutely brilliant. I can't speak highly enough of it. And uh, I mentioned the uh, the biblical worldview testing and stuff. And what they have found is that not only are the kids who go, there, there's hundreds of principal approach schools now all across uh, America and all across the world. Um, and, and when you scores of these children. They are at the highest level when it comes to biblical worldview. In other words, their, their thinking conforms to what the Bible reveals. Uh, you see it up on the screen right now, uh, face. Uh, and also, incidentally, and not, not that this is you know our top priority as Christians, but they also ace the government's own tests. In fact, they do way better on the standardized testing than the victims of the public schools. So uh, there are methods and methodologies and, and programs out there, but I think really it just goes back to the Bible. Um, you know, if the school is not teaching everything through a biblical worldview, through a biblical lens, um, it's going to be hard for the children to, to understand that. And unfortunately, you know, we see so many um, uh, teachers who have come through government colleges. They've got, you know, their teacher degree from a secular, radically anti-Christian university. And then they get hired by Christian schools and they come in and they don't believe the Bible. You know, it's just a job for them. Like, oh, okay, we'll do lip service. We'll give a prayer. Uh, but you know, they don't believe it. So, uh, you know, I, I, we have to be really, really discerning, really, really careful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to hear about that, but I hope that, uh, you know, it'll be just a wake up call and you talk to other parents and you guys will go work with the school and, and make sure whatever's going wrong there, obviously something has gone very wrong, uh, is sorted out. Yeah, thank you for that, Alex. Um, you know, I'm very interested as well when I was seeing the public school exit of maybe having an opportunity, uh, you know, to meet with some of these people and see if it could be a model for what we do in Canada. Uh, strategically right now, what we're doing is reaching out to pastors across the nation. We've been doing that for two years. 
We did put it on pause for a bit to get our chapters going. Now we're back at it. More pastors have actually been repentant about shutting their churches down. More pastors are ready to stay open come the next round. And we're going to equip and facilitate them. Uh, I'll be doing a special on that in September. And so we're appealing to them, like I said earlier, to open their churches for homeschooling. And um, I'm thinking that once we get that team together, that would be a good opportunity to reach out, maybe have a few meetings and see how we could implement that into Canada as well. Well, absolutely. We'd be honored to work with you guys. Um, in fact, we've, we've already been working with some Canadians. We're working with people all over the world on these issues. And, uh, you know, we have some great pastors that can, you know, hold the hands of pastors who are just new to this. Uh, we've even got, you know, mega church pastors with thousands of people in their congregations that have been for 30 years preaching, you got to get your kids out of the government schools. And, you know, mm-hmm. all, all the pastors are terrified. Oh, if I tell my congregation, some people are going to leave and they're going to be offended. You know, don't worry about it. Just trust the Lord. He's got you. And, yeah. and we will be happy to support you guys in any way we can. Uh, I'm, I'm a volunteer. I'm, I'm the executive director. It sounds fancy. I'm totally volunteer, unpaid. But uh, we are absolutely more than delighted to help uh, anyone, whether in Canada or any other place, to uh, to help rescue uh, our precious Christian children from from indoctrination and anti-Christian uh, teaching. Exactly. I love it, too, because, you know, I, I say as well regarding pastors, my challenge to them is where in the Word of God did it say that, you know, people were to receive uh, a tax receipt and uh, churches were to receive government funding? Where's the faith in that? Where's the faith to thrive as a church, uh, relying on God and and the structure that he had uh, originated, right? So let me get through a couple more questions. Do you have a little bit of time? Are we almost sure. there? Yeah, okay. Uh, it says, I agree with all Alex is saying. However, in the real world, we pay huge amounts of money each year via our taxes. Many people cannot afford to send their children to private schools. We need to change the school structure and form a committee that approves the format of learning techniques. Um, kind of think that you've already answered that by saying the answer is going to be by getting these structures built up within the church so that we can have biblical teaching. And, uh, you know, uh, for Christian children, yes, but uh, there's got to be a place for the ministry for uh, non-Christian children as well. There's got to be some outreach there. Um, As you were saying, there's a lot of uh, single moms, single dads that are not going to be able to get their kids out of the public school system. And so uh, what we're doing as an organization is we're pushing back as best we can by providing resources to let them know they've crossed the line and they better back off. We want this sexual orientation out of the schools, as well as these pornographic books, this is illegal, and as well as the drag queens. This is not appropriate. It's sexualizing our children. It's It's against criminal code 160 in Canada. We've got the notice of liability, but you guys need to use it. You need to be actively involved with Action for Canada's chapters. If there isn't one, get a committee of parents together and start serving these individuals in the school and start threatening legal action. Uh, we got, you got to hold it off and you got to gain back some of the ground that the enemy has taken. Okay, this uh, is Can I jump in uh, and just a comment yep. just real quickly, Tanya? Yes, Perfectly, yeah. Um, you know, I, I hear that a lot that, you know, uh, yeah, that's all well and good, but we can't afford it. Uh, and, and I understand that. You know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the only one who works here. I've got five children. We homeschool. I pay more money in taxes to support the government's indoctrination centers than I spend to educate my own children with a world-class education yeah. that is uh, just orders of magnitude better than the garbage that passes for education in the public schools. But a few uh, responses to that. First of all, 
You know, we live in the wealthiest societies that have ever existed in human history. Uh, our goat herding ancestors 2,000 years ago could afford to educate their own children. And, um, you know, I, I think we living in the richest society in, in the richest societies in, in human history can certainly find a way to do it as well. You know, I know it's a sacrifice. I know uh, the idea of moving to a smaller house, the idea of taking less vacations, the idea of driving, a, a, you know, my, my two trucks, one is 20 years old, one is 22 years old. Okay. You know, we look like poor people driving down the road. I don't care. I'd sooner live in a cardboard box before I would send my kids to these government indoctrination centers. And I mean, I am dead serious about that. There's no price I wouldn't pay to protect my children from that. Um, and uh, you know, the, the idea of reforming the schools, I, I did address that. I, I don't think it's, it's feasible. Yeah. I, I do think there's value in getting elected to school boards and sounding the alarm and letting people know. But uh, ultimately, you know, when it comes to Christian children, I think we just need to follow what God says. God will bless that. And yes, it's going to probably mean some sacrifice. And, and, you know, I understand also there are those very rare cases where it's extremely difficult. Single mom, right. Who's working two jobs. Uh, in fact, when we first moved to this community, one of our good friends was a single mom who was trying to homeschool her daughter. Uh, she had her in public school. We talked to her. She got her out. And so grandma came and helped. She did the homeschool a couple of days a week. My wife helped a couple of days a week. And, you know, the weekends were, were with mom. So there are ways to do it. And I think this is really an area for the church to step in and say, look, we have an obligation to care for widows and for orphans and for the less yes. fortunate among us. And that's got to include the education and the discipling of children. And so at the very least, at the very least, you know, pastor, if you can't start a Christian school, you can't start a homeschool co-op, whatever, at least start a scholarship fund so that the really low income people in your church, the single moms, you can support them for private school tuition or whatever's necessary. Uh, and we're, we're working with a lot of churches in America to do that right now. And in fact, we at Public School Exit have a, a very small right now scholarship fund where we're going to help uh, fund students who really are in need. You know, if you're driving a, a 2019 BMW and you got a vacation home in Colorado, sorry, you're not poor. We're not going to help you. But, um, you know, if you're really, really in need, uh, I think the church should step in and, and Christians should step in. I agree 100%. And, you know, you're talking about I would lay down my life and not put my kids in public school because, uh, you know, you don't know the personality of your child and at what level they're going to snap. That, that indoctrination is going to hit them and, uh, you know, they'll be possibly permanently impacted by that. It is just not worth the risk. I have horror stories from moms whose daughters no longer uh, identify as a girl, uh, boy, as a boy now, who've had their breasts removed, their uterus removed, uh, growing a beard. It is absolutely heart-wrenching, and it absolutely is a social contagion. This is abuse. This is mutilation of our children, and that's, again, I go back to using that term demonic. Um, Okay, so we got about five hands up, so let's do a rapid-fire Okay, let's do this. So we're going to put people on a clock for a minute and see how many of those you can answer. All right, here we go. So we've got a few more questions up, so we'll do this quick. So for those who are going to be coming up, if you could please ask your question, we will meet you right away so that Greg and Tanya can answer your question. First one we have up is Carla. Carla, you should see a little message pop up on your screen. Please unmute. Oh, hi, how are you? Good, welcome, Uh, Carla. What's your question? I'm excited to that you can answer it, hopefully. Um, so I'm having difficulty. I understand all of this agenda, but there's a lot of parents, what we're finding, the people that are fighting it, is that a lot of people don't know where it's coming from. They don't know it's a satanic. And sometimes when you get, when you go on that, on that route, people look at you a little mad. So 
what I'm having issues with is, you know, I have a teenage son. He knows right from wrong. He's doing really well in school, but pulling him out would be more harm mentally than good. I've had to weigh this out. But for many of us parents, we really just want to try to expose this as much as we can. And that is working, but I can't see the system falling unless we get a major, you know, a good amount of people pulling our kids out. And and that's yep. ha- that's <laughs> happening. Yeah, that's happening, Car- Carla. Happening. There's a great yeah. There's a great exodus from the schools. Um, there are some. Uh, there was a province. I think it was Alberta who was not posting their registration for the province because the registration is so far down. And that's why this exodus is so important because we want to send the government a clear message that we're not going to tolerate this. And uh, yeah, they, they, you see, we're on the, we're always, they wanted us on the defensive and we've got to flip those tables. We're on the offensive. We're on the side of right here. Um, we don't have to talk about biblical principles when we're talking about education um, in a sense, because um, for some of you that are not believers, you talk about a moral fiber here. We know that sexualizing children is wrong. Uh, providing them uh, unscientific information is wrong. Lying to them about climate change. Um, you know, we could go over any of the, the major things, critical race theory. These are morally ethically wrong and we can win this based on that argument alone yeah and, and you know the, the bible is filled with examples of fights that look preposterous and uh and god almost seems to enjoy uh taking on fights that look preposterous i mean you know gideon uh whittles down this army to 300 men and says all right now you're going to crush the midianites with 300 men like, what what god really and, and of course he does right um, he dispatches one angel to slaughter 185,000 enemy soldiers encamped against God's people. Uh, we all remember David and Goliath, right? Uh, so I mean, we're not going to win this battle by our own power. That's obvious. We, we are fallen. We are sinful. We're just mere humans. But God is more powerful than all of them and all their propaganda and all their money. Um, and, you know, we just need to do what he told us to do and just trust him with the results. The government school system probably won't fall tomorrow. I agree. But incredible things are happening. You know, when I first started saying it six, seven years ago, parents, you need to get your kids out of government schools, even from allies, from good Christians and conservatives. I got a lot of like raised eyebrows and really that's never going to work. Uh, and you know what? In the last few years, the tide has turned so massively. We have uh, uh, Franklin Graham, the, probably the biggest evangelical leader in America, has now said, parents, you should take your kids out of public school and put them in a Christian school. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, the biggest talk radio host in America. He just passed away three times before he died. He told his 18 million daily listeners. Folks, you need to take your children out of the public schools. Uh, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, over and over again said, parents, you must protect and defend your children from these failing indoctrination centers. I mean, the tide <laughs> is turning. Parents are waking up. Um, you know, and and it does, it's not even a political issue. I mean, liberals, conservatives, libertarians, everybody wants their children to be able to learn how to read, write, do math. Nobody wants their kids fornicating when they're eight years old or chopping off body parts. Um, you know, we, we are in the right here, and that's obvious even to non-Christians. So we just need to charge on, do what God has called us to do, and, and be faithful. He'll handle the results. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, next question. All right, next question. Thank you, Carla, for your question. Next question is from Wayne. Wayne, you should see a little message pop up on your screen. Um, I understand that in this movement, and I'll call it the freedom movement, the standing up for the rights of us, free speech, freedom of choice, um, there are those of us, I see that 50% of the movement are Christians, and I honor that. And I meet with a Christian group every day, but 
I simply pray to God and I cry to God and I weep to God without, there's no intercessory there. There's no intercessor there. And I just want to know, let you know that I think there's many, many millions of people who may be crying to God and, and bowing to that higher power sincerely. And I don't believe that God minds uh, if it's in a particular manner. Um, it's the sincerity there. I just want to speak on behalf of those people, but I completely honor the work of the Christian movement. Um, wow. Uh, and they are my best friends. So thank you. Hmm. Well, thank you for that, Wayne. Yep. Uh, prayer is a powerful thing. We have a prayer team with Action for Canada, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. Uh, we believe it uh, moves mountains. And I've always prayed that God would give me the faith of a mustard seed. Because he said, then we will be able to move mountains. And, and when I look at a shy girl seven years ago sitting here helping to move mountains in Canada, I know that God answers prayer. Okay, so you know what, Alex, you have just absolutely been amazing. I really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. We're going to wrap it up here. I know it's late there in Florida. And uh, now it, I know that it said four and counting. Is it four or five children that you have? Uh, we have five children, and uh, everyone is a blessing, just like God promised they would be. So, uh, and uh, you know, homeschooling them is such a blessing. And uh, actually, I'm going to put them to bed right now, and that's going to be a blessing too. It's just, it's an incredible joy, and uh, it, it's appalling to me that they teach our children that children are bad for the earth, and that we should limit our, our number of children because we're going to save the climate. Uh, it's just, it's just horrific. Children are such a blessing. God told us to be fruitful and multiply. So, um, you know, I, I tell you, he's, he's faithful when he says they are a blessing. It's true. It is true. And your quiver is full. And, uh, you know, that that is just, like you say, such a blessing. You're honoring the Lord in your work and what you're doing and getting the message out there. We really super appreciate your time tonight. Um, I hope you'll come back again and see us soon. Maybe we'll talk on a different um, matter because I know you're well-versed on many different things. So, again, thank you, Alex. I know everybody here. If we could um, open up and give him uh, you an applause, I know that they'd be doing that. So thank you so much, and we'll see you again. There we go. Thank you, Tanya. <laughs> God bless you. It's really been an honor. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Really appreciate it and hope to hear from you guys. And would love to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Tanya. God bless you all. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, I hope that this has been very educational. I wanted to uh, move through... August in presenting the reasons why the public school systems are really quite a frightful place to have your children. Uh, a lot of parents, like I said, you've been so busy, two, two parents working, a single parent working, and you have not had the time or the inclination maybe to see what your children are being taught. Through um, this COVID propaganda, children have had opportunities where they've been home and they've had to do online learning, and a lot of parents were exposed to some of these things then. But we just want to come right out the door we want to expose it. I've been uh, providing this information for many, many months and appealing to parents to get their kids out of school. So I know a lot of questions weren't answered tonight. It's like, oh my gosh, okay, now you've got me really concerned. What do we do? What do we do about homeschooling? How do we even take the first step? So next week, as I mentioned, uh, for the Empower Hour, we're going to have multiple people from homeschooling associations across Canada joining us. Uh, Genevieve will be back. You might remember Genevieve even recognize her. She's one of uh, 
our, our leaders for the youth freedom movement. And when she went through the um, eight-week training on leadership and speaking back in the spring, Genevieve even created, uh, when each of the students were to uh, develop and create a, a short video on whatever issue was important to them or they felt compelled to. And Genevieve actually did it on homeschooling. So it's going to be in the weekly email that I'm sending out with the Empower Hour um, invite. And so we truly are trying to encourage a homeschooling revolution. And, uh, you know, Action for Canada isn't going to be running any homeschooling programs, but we are going to do our best to uh, develop a page with homeschooling uh, contacts on it in your province so that you can uh, take the next step and uh, contact them, get part of a homeschooling group, start talking to other parents in your community. Hopefully our chapters can get some of you good parents on and you can start uh, creating a parents group within the chapter that can help facilitate this as well. So anyways, this is this is our work. This is what's set before us for the month of August. And uh, again, I just want to thank you. I hope you are having uh, finding time to enjoy the sun shine and some summertime with your children. And I just want to say once again, God bless you and God bless Canada. Thank you.